Welcome to the Pool Nation podcast, where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. We talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Now let's welcome your host with over a decade of industry insider experience and still the reigning champion of Marco Polo, Edgar De Jesus, and his co-host, John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and Zach the Pool Boy Nicholas. Welcome, everyone, to the Pool Nation Live podcast with myself, your host, Edgar DeJesus. And yes, I am the reigning champion of Marco Polo, along with John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and the famous Zach, the pool boy, Nicholas. In episode one of season two, we talked to Chris Brink, CEO of Hasa. We'll talk about his journey and what it takes to run such a large company. We'll talk about the current status of the industry and get an update on the chlorine supply. I want to welcome everyone to our live podcast, the podcast where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting and splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. And yes, we will talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. But before we get started today, I want to thank our sponsors for this podcast, the Ultimate Pool Tools, the SPPA, and the PoolmanUniversity.com. We want to thank them for their continued support. Zach, welcome back. Good morning. I'm here, so it is a good morning. Um, I started getting nervous that if I have any more absences, I'm going to be sitting there some Friday in the future. I'm going to be waiting for my invite to join my invite to join the show, and it's just never going to come. And then forevermore, yeah, kicked out. So, but as you guys saw, I have like a full-on command center going on now, so I should be good to go. Um, hopefully, there's no more technical difficulties in the future. And on another note, um, I'm just I'm really excited to have Chris on to talk to us because I think it's super cool. And the stuff we're going to talk about today is the stuff that I really love. You know, the business side of things, understanding the problems faced, and the strategies behind the solutions. So I'm super pumped for today. John, good morning. Good morning, everybody. And uh, yes, Zach, it is a pleasure to have you back on with us because we desperately missed you the last couple times. So. Um, and on that note to Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that as a CEO, obviously your time is extremely valuable and for you to step up and do a podcast with us. And I know you've done actually many, especially during these trying times that we're all going through as an industry and to be able to get on here and answer some questions. And some of them are going to be some tough questions. Um, I give kudos to you and I appreciate you doing that. So thank you again for, uh, for joining us. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I've said it on a few other of these. There's nothing more important that we can do when it comes to our responsibility of the pro and recreational water treatment. And uh, by the way, I, I have to admit, I'm not a huge social media guy. You guys have a great intro. And I love the high level message on really, you know, upping the game for pros across America. I had the benefit of working in several industries that ultimately serve the pro in some way, whether it be roofing, insulation, contracting, you name it. And I've seen a lot of value created where the pros can double down and really get full value for what they do. And I think that there's miles and miles to go in the pool industry. And what you guys are doing is really cool for that effort. 
We appreciate that. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Um, Zach, just to let you know, we did not know how to deal with the attendance policy issue that we have going on with you. So we reached out to Chris and Chris was gracious enough to send us our, our new procedures for attendance. So we will be implementing a point system, right, John? So that we can kind of, you know, handle Absolutely. this attendance yeah. thing. We're already, uh, you, after the Zoom, that link that you got after the Zoom meeting or after our podcast is for... Um, my coaching disciplinary action. We're writing you up. <laughs> yeah. It involves you not getting any chlorine next week too. Zach. Just so you know. <laughs> what bigger punishment than that? Right. Chris, you know, again, like John said, thanks for coming on to the podcast. We really appreciate you taking your time. We, we know that you deal not just with the pool industry side, but obviously you deal with, you know, chlorine for, Sure. water sources and stuff like that. So we're know you, we know you're very busy. So we definitely appreciate that. And what we appreciate the most is that while there are a lot of other companies out there that are not able to produce chlorine and stuff like that, they're quiet, they're not out, they're not talking. And you guys have definitely been stand up and definitely getting out there. Even though sometimes things get heated, you guys are just kind of facing the music and talking to the pool pros out there. You are our first guest of season number two so we just oh great thank last you season so we're super excited to have you on for this one here your point is is a good one i mean um sodium hypochlorite specifically is a way to get chlorine to make all kinds of water safe clean clear including literally drinking water in my community and i think any pro would agree having to boil water in their community is a lot worse than having to maybe go to one or two distributors to make sure you're getting enough uh, Santa Clor for the day. As much as I hate that that's happened this summer, that has been something we've had to really focus on as well, is making sure that communities that we service for safe drinking water, appropriate wastewater treatment, and so forth are also being served. We think about the pro first and foremost every day, but we have all these other obligations to the communities that we serve. And when it comes to taking heat, I mean, Haas has been around for over 40 years. Haas is in it for the long run. Haas is not going anywhere. We're going to be here. We're going to be in this industry 40 years from now. So that's why you see us, you know, I could take my lumps uh, knowing that it's a particularly rough year, knowing that we're going to be here next year. And, you know, we need to make sure that those pros remember the good and the bad and that we were here through the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. We definitely appreciate that. There's one thing, guys, I do want to give some shout outs here that are on our live watching. Joel, as usual, Maria. Jeanette, Jay, big shout out to all you guys out there on the live. Appreciate you guys kind of coming on. So guys, before we get started with the podcast, there's two things that I want to talk about really quick. And that is that we have another business training class that's going to be coming up on September 18th. And that's the one where we focus completely on the business side of your business. And we talk about the common reasons why small businesses fail. We talk about the different types of businesses, Soul LLC, which one is the best fit for you. We talk about building software, what it should have for you so that you have good cash flow. We talk about different terms in accounting. We actually create a full profit and loss with your numbers, and we do a profit and loss run. By the end of this class, you're actually going to know exactly what it costs for you to service a pool. And then the other thing is you're going to know exactly what your profit is. So if you want to register for the class, you could go to the Pool Nation podcast. There's a link on the right, or you could go to poolnation.online and you can register there. The other thing is that we are getting a lot closer to the Pool Nation Awards. Super excited about that, November 17th. 
So the website is open for nominations. What I want you guys to do is I want everybody to go out there and at least put in one nomination so that you guys can support each other out there. And then we're going to close that on the 25th. So go out there, poolnationawards.com, enter your nominations, and we'll open up voting next week. And then letters will be going out for all those that have been nominated the week after that. Very cool. So we're super excited. And then the last thing before we jump into our live is, Chris, every week we do a shout out for a follower. And so this week's shout outs goes to our youngest member of the Nation of Pool Pros, and that is Kaid Wild Wynn. And he is the newest member of the Nola Pool Guru family. So Nola, congratulations out there. Big shout out to you, the new boss, and your wife. So big shout out. That's shout outs for the youngest guy out there for us. So. All right, guys, let's get let's get this podcast started. So, Chris, I'm going to start. And what I want you to do is maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and your journey to becoming CEO of Hasa. It started when I was originally an R&D guy back in the 90s. I grew up in Chicago, went to school in Chicago and started working uh, my way through college in the lab and ended up being an applied chemist. And I was an applied chemist for about seven or eight years. But what an applied chemist does is they look at a business problem and they help a manufacturing facility or a company try to figure out how to solve that problem with materials and with materials development. And it uh, turned out that I was fairly good at that. But when it came right down to it, I was a little bit better at the dollars and cents side of it than I was uh, at the actual chemistry side of it, uh, or at least I enjoyed that more. And that led me to a job eventually with a company called the Dow Chemical Company, where I had a really uh, successful career for eight years and increasingly found ways to find really creative solutions using materials for a whole bevy of customer types, everything from folks who made shoe soles to probably the, the seat cushions that you're sitting on all the way through to making large uh, appliances like water heaters and refrigerated trucks and things like that. And I did that for about eight years at the Dow Chemical Company had a really fun career, learned really best practice in chemical manufacturing and what what are really what I call a big hat company, how they think about responsibility, profit and loss and all those things. That then led me into a series of career steps uh, outside of publicly owned companies from about 2008 on. And since 2008, I've lived in California working for California owned or, or California operating concern companies, all owned by private equity. Uh, and all doing something in the material space, all doing something in the sustainable space, and all doing something where there was always distribution and a pro involved. So I worked for a company called Henry Company, really great family-owned company for many, many years, then owned by private equity. And we, we really were able to transform that company. I then worked for a company called Excella, uh, which was uh, a buildup. We took that company from $60 million to over $400 million in about two and a half years which was a heck of a story. And then I had an opportunity, you know, uh, we had done what we needed to do with Accelo. We sold to a large concern called Carlisle at the time. I think they're proud owners of that business now. Um, I was looking for my next step. I wanted it to be a California company. I wanted it to be a company that was doing the right thing sustainably. I wanted it to be in my wheelhouse of materials where there was a pro uh, concern, where there were great brands and where the products just work. And uh, I stumbled on Hasa. And probably up until four years ago, I really didn't know that much about bleach. I really didn't know that much about pool chemistry, but I started to learn. And I realized there's a lot of room for an improvement across the industry. So I love that because I like to come in and be kind of a soft disruptor in the industries that I join. 
But I also love being a part of solid companies with great people where the products just work. So I had that sort of very solid place to set one foot. Okay, the products work, the brands are great, company knows what it's doing, the people know what they're doing. But boy, there's some room here for us to up the game, whether it's in terms of pro knowledge, in terms of education, in terms of how we make the products, or in terms of how we fundamentally operate the company. So I joined Hasa about three years ago as COO, did that for about six months, and then moved into the CEO role uh, two and a half years ago. Crazy story. I didn't know that. John, I know Zach spinning in his chair going, what was it, 60 million to 400 million? I think I saw Zach spin a couple of times in All his right. back chair over there. That's what I'm, I'm here to tell to you, it, it could be done. It's not always easy and there's always timing and luck involved, but it could be done. So Chris, let me ask you this. As a CEO of a large company, what are some of the challenges that big companies like yours have faced, especially during these, this crazy time or this unprecedented time that we're going through right now? Well, you know, um, Politics aside, Donald Rumsfeld used to talk about the known unknowns and the unknown unknown. One of my jobs as CEO is for us to spend a lot of time looking at the risks and the opportunities of the business. We actually have an exercise called R&Os where we look at all the known unknowns and we look at all the known things that we think we can do to make the business better. And we always start at the customer and then work back on how do we make business better. But I'll tell you that the unknown unknowns, obviously last year, the big one, COVID, how do you deal with that? And how do you keep your head calm when you're going through all that? And then how do you do the right thing? Probably the biggest secret of being a CEO is how much you really lean on your people if you're running the company the right way. And I was almost brought to tears the extent to which our folks were strong. If I could keep calm, the folks, we would figure it out as a team. We figured a lot of things out as a team I'm very proud of. I mean, one of the things I'm probably most proud of last year when we went through COVID was, you know, we knew that a lot of our employees, their spouses were being sent home from their jobs. Their kids now were going to have to be home from school. Uh, A lot of our employees, you know, they don't necessarily have a computer at home or a laptop at home. Sometimes those kids were depending on school lunch. So we immediately teed up a plan to say, well, how do we make sure our employees don't have to worry about those things can come in and stay focused on coming to work and, and operating safely every day? and not have their head in another place all day long. You know, this is kind of also a really nice story about being owned by private equity. I mean, we realized early on, we were going to have to create some sort of a, basically a bonus for those employees so that their kids could make sure they had laptops, they could have internet. There would be a a sandwich there every day for lunch. If their spouse was home from work, they'd be taken care of or they could pay for, for some home care. We went to the board, we asked them, hey, we think we need to create this subsidy on a weekly basis. And it was like a 20-minute discussion. And they signed right up for it. And I'm very proud to say all through last year, when all those kids were home from school, we were taking care of our extended family at Hassa. So stuff like that is the stuff that there is no playbook for how do you manage it. But we came up with that solution as a team pretty quickly. And the thing I love about being part of a privately owned company is we had the turn radius and the speed to do the right thing. So stuff like that is probably the biggest challenge of the job. And then the unknown unknowns this year. I mean, one might have predicted, but I don't think under anyone understood exactly how hard it was going to be to hire this year. Nobody understood exactly how many people were going to stay home or try the job for two days and then go and then leave. I've never seen this in my in my life. We're all of similar vintages where I think there's a certain pride and work ethic where you come to work and you know I'm going to stick this job out at least for a month or a week or whatever. 
I've never seen so many folks that come in and try the job for two days and just throw in the towel, as we've seen with some of the folks that have come. Many have stayed. I've been thankful. We do a lot of things to provide them not just a job, but a career here. But that's been a challenge. And I I did not predict that. And I, I don't know many who did, but that's been that's been hard for us to manage through. And obviously, it takes hands to put product into bottles. So that has slowed us down in getting as much out the door as we'd like. And then the third unknown unknown that we've dealt with probably in the last 18 months, there was a force majeure on the West Coast, one of the biggest manufacturers of the actual elemental molecule that we use to make sodium hypochlorite. And we do a very good job of sourcing. We source from many different places. And we usually have a lot of chlorine on the railroads at any given time to make sure that it's feeding our plants so we can make enough juice and get it out to the pros, as well as take care of all the you know, municipal water treatment and things that we have to do. And we usually have like anywhere between four and eight weeks worth of product rolling to us at any given time. Well, when the West Coast, when that plant went down on the West Coast, that a lot of the pros may not know about, what it did is it basically cut off the West Coast for almost a month. And that's enough of a choke point that it really slowed us down in June and the end of July or the beginning of July to be able to supply as much as we would have liked. Kind of a long rambling answer. I'm kind of known for those at this point, but those are examples of when the job is hard. You mentioned that, you know, when it came to the labor shortages, you haven't seen anything like that before, but looking at the kind of culmination of everything, is there anything that you've, in all of your experience that you've seen like this whole event before? Like COVID? No, I would say the only thing similar in impact was the 2008 recession. And at that time, I was part of a building man, uh, materials company. So it was significant. There was a differential aspect to that. There was a purely economic event. And so you only had the economic piece to deal with. Uh, with COVID, you had an economic event. You had a governmental set of events. And that was different state by state. We're shipping from Washington state all the way through to Texas. So the way we had latitude to deal with things was very different in Texas than it is in even Southern California versus Northern California. So that was difficult to navigate. And then there's, a, there's an emotional psychological aspect to COVID that people were afraid and worried about jobs during the 2008 recession. But I mean, people were afraid for their lives for the first 100 days. And we had to figure out first and foremost, I mean, before we did any of that other stuff I talked about, making sure our workers were taken care of financially, first and foremost was what's safe, what's not safe? How do we make our plant safe to come into? How do we make sure everybody's going to be taken care of? Now, luckily, we run a bleach plant. So probably one of the safest places in the plant to be during COVID because bleach kills COVID. But it was a triple threat. Uh, so there's been nothing like COVID uh, in my probably what, since 90s? So 30 years now in, in the materials business. That's crazy. And it's really impacted everybody differently. And as we've started to do the podcast and do all this stuff, I've learned a lot more about the logistics side and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's extremely interesting. And I did get an article that was sent to me yesterday that talked about the warehouse manpower has basically doubled in the amount of people that it was in the last five, six years, up to about 1.4, 1.6 million warehouse workers. So it just talks about that craziness. And then also, you know, with everything continuing to be so crazy, now you have some retailers that are basically looking at buying their own cargo ships to be able to put the containers on, to be able to bring them out because they're not getting enough space. They're not getting priority space on all those cargos that are out there. But that's how crazy times are that you have these big, huge retailers going, 
we just spent billions of dollars investing to buy our own cargo ships and captains and man to be able to bring our own product out there. That's not a short-term trend, by the way. People are going to have to own their supply chain over the next decade. This time last year, if I wanted to order a tank truck acoustic to make bleach, put in the order, it comes tomorrow. Now, uh, I have to send my own truck to go pick it up. Now, that's great because Hasa happens to be outfitted with, we've got, I think, over 100 drivers. We've got trucks. We can ship anything from 5,000 gallons to a single gallon bottle. Uh, so we happen to have the fleet. But there are a lot of folks out there uh, not in our position to be able to do that. And, uh, and these are billions of dollar publicly traded chemical companies that can't find a truck to get me product. So I have to go find my own. So I think that's, that's going to be a 10-year, there's going to be a 10-year tsunami that kind of hits. Right now, we're kind of, we're, we're still approaching the crest of that. Let me ask you this. So, you know, especially now during these crazy times, what things have you maybe had to change in these unprecedented times from just maybe even just an operation, how before you might've just been on, you know, everything set, you're on this cruise control, this thing happens, you know, what are maybe some of the major things that as Hasa you've had to change? What it forces you to do is to do the things that you're only really good at. So, you know, for a long time, Hasa, you could order a Hasa truck and maybe even get tabs on that truck because we could get tabs from China and we would, you know, we spec them and made sure they were to our Hasa quality control. But hey, I could ship you a bottle of four by one returnable bottles. I could ship you, you know, four pallets of product in disposable bottles, and I could ship you a bunch of other stuff. We did that for a lot of reasons. We wanted to always add value to the customer. We wanted to create convenience, and those were all nice things to do. At the end of the day, if I look at the list on what I used to put on a truckload two years ago versus what we put on today. We really focus on what we're particularly good at, which is taking a bottle, building it for purpose, getting 20 to 30 uses out of that bottle, saving the supply chain, not having to buy 30 bottles to ship 30 gallons, putting it in a returnable container and getting it back as fast as humanly possible, filling it up with bleach. So it's forced us to focus on what we are truly best at in the markets where, where we're really good at it. Maybe a broad answer, but that's, that's an example of really what we are thinking about each and every day now. And the other piece is it has forced us because there is more demand than there is product to have much more direct conversations with customers on a much more regu regular basis, which is a good thing. But unfortunately, they're all unhappy conversations because it's never I can get you as much as you want. I can handle it. I got big shoulders, right? But it's hard on my team because all they want to do is take care of customers. Uh, so I spend a lot more time giving out lollipops and things like that in order to keep the team motivated. Because um, I would say pros were really rough at the beginning of the season on the distributors. The distributors passed that right along to us, trust me. But they're a little more understanding now. But it was a particularly rough season in that regard. So I spent a lot of time trying to keep morale up, even as we ship more than we've shipped in the past. Chris, what do you think are the biggest challenges our industry will face in the next year or two years? Wow. Um, I think... There's a lot of discussion and the guys out there that really know are being understandably careful about when tabs are really going to re-enter the market. I think the challenges are going to be people navigating that and navigating their decision-making around that and whether they're going to depend on tabs coming back or they're really going to start to change behaviors so that, hey, if tabs come back, great. If they don't, fine. So I think that's going to be a long-term trend and a long-term change. I think there's a lot of recognition of the different models of water sanitization 
that's occurring as we speak. And I think there are going to be pros that are going to wake up and say, it's just easier to throw some tabs in. And they're going to go back to that on day one when there are more tabs in the market. And there are going to be some that are going to realize, hey, can I look at my business more broadly? And what is the real impact of this actually been? And am I operating a better business model to think differently about how I manage water care and water treatment? So I think those are going to be, those are internal challenges. Those are decisions that pros are going to have to make. The thing that's exciting for me, I, I mentioned being kind of like a soft disruptor in businesses. I think these events are creating some significant sea changes in the way the pro communities are responding, the way they're thinking twice about how they manage their business. And I think most excitingly, what you're going to see is you're going to see some real effective differentiation between pros. And there are going to be guys who are like, how does that guy keep winning business and getting all the big pretty pools? Well, he's getting the big pretty pools because he made a lot of big pretty pools and the people with pretty pools want pretty pools and he keeps getting business and he doesn't seem to have a problem what he charges to make those pools pretty. Why am I always getting kicked in the shins over, you know, 10 bucks a month difference on, on a service fee? So I think it's going to be a very exciting kind of spread on how the markets develop in the pro community. And it's going to be good for suppliers and manufacturers, and it's going to encourage innovation, which are all good things. Yeah, and I think you nailed it right there because it is it is forcing, you know, as a business owner, it's forcing me to think differently. It's forcing me to operate differently. I'm having to be more flexible. I'm having to be able to adapt on the fly. So, yes, it's been very trying times that we've gone through. It's been very stressful. But at the end of the day, I think when our industry gets out of this, we're going to be a better industry because we've been forced to think differently and operate differently. And I want to ask, you know, you've kind of answered some of this, but I want to ask these trends we're seeing with logistics and supply chains and materials and all of the things going on, like, how long do you think these trends are going to last before we start getting back to what we would consider normal? Or is this just the new normal? I'm not the best prognosticator of things like that, but we're planning for a two to three year supply chain crunch when it comes to logistics and labor. So we're putting things in place right now in order to address that for the next two to three year window. It's usually as far out as we could see on anything. On the actual supply chain crunch in terms of the materials we need, we've already put things in place to fix that. And that's why there's a lot more pros on Instagram taking pictures when they're getting their four by ones, right? Liquid gold. And I saw someone had a cool tweet out there. He's like, time to reload or something like that, right? But um, the upstream piece of it is already getting resolved. And I think we've got some some things that I can't go into because they involve markets and supply chain and whatnot. But we've got things that we're doing to shore that up for next year. So I'm not as worried about the upstream chemical dynamics as I am labor and drivers. We're doing a lot of things to make the plants more efficient for next year. I would say, had we gotten enough molecule in June, July, we also probably would have gotten another 15 to 20% out the door here in, in June and July. June was a record month for the company. July beat July of last year for the company. Uh, so it was kind of a record, but it was kind of a, a crummy record. We would have been able to get 15 to 20% more out the door in July had we not had these upstream issues. So we're already doing things to prepare ourselves for next season, learning a lot and uh, take, frankly, taking a lot of feedback from distribution channel, the pros and so forth. I think it'll be more about drivers and people in the plants that will be about talking about chlorine and caustic and things like that. I also think pros should think about what they're doing and how much they're getting for their service because in the, you know, the world 
the world is changing. Everything's more expensive. And to the extent that they can go and double down on the value they're delivering and figure out how to charge more, things are going to be more expensive next year than they are this year. That's, that's not a, me talking about Hasa. That's everything. I went into Best Buy this weekend. First of all, the shelves were half empty. And then second of all, anything I wanted to buy was, I mean, because I go in a lot and just look at stuff. My son teases me like, Dad, how many times are you going to look at that thing before you buy it? But I've seen the price go up on that thing over six months, uh, you know, every time I look at it. So, you know, I think that's a reality that pros are really well in control of right now. If there's ever a time for them to go retest the value they're getting at market, I mean, they've got all the air cover in the world. Yeah, and that's something that we're talking about. We're going to do a special episode on that. We're going to kind of partner up and bring that again because we've been having that conversation. And then we were talking to Megan from Pool Pro Mag. She did a survey and she was really kind of shocked by the amount of people that are still out there that even though the conversation has been going on for almost a year now, most of the people that were responding haven't increased rates yet. So that's definitely a big focus. And that's we're going to put out a special episode on that coming up here soon in a couple of weeks. I paid four bucks a gallon for gas two weeks ago or last week or something like that. I mean, I remember it used to be a buck twenty-five. I mean, I'm getting older, but you know. Zach, should we brag about our gas prices? Yeah, I'm paying four fifty. What are you guys paying? Four fifty a gallon. Jesus. Four fifty. I put some. I put some in at two sixty three yesterday. Oh jeez. <laughs> oh, beautiful Texas. So, Chris, let we me must ask make you, it there or something. No kidding, right? <laughs> so let me ask you this. I think with regards to you know chlorine, I think one of the biggest things that people think is just that there's just this big, huge magic tank, and all you have to do is open the faucet, fill the bottles, and kind of get it out to distribution. Can you tell us a little about of what it takes from point A to point Z, dropping off those cases at SCP or PEP? You know, what does that process look like? All right. You got to stop me when I start boring you because I actually get excited about this. I'm a little bit of a chemical geek. But all chlorine that finds its way into the merchant market today comes from what's called the chloralkali process, which ultimately starts with salt. Not very different from the salt that you well that, that you all put in the pools, but the salt you sprinkle on your chicken for dinner. You take that salt, you get it from a lot of different sources. You take that salt, you make salt water. You put it through a um, what's called a cell, which is really kind of like works like a battery, but in reverse. You pass electricity through it. And it's got a membrane and the chlorine goes to one side and the um, sodium hydroxide, the sodium stays on the other side. And it makes what's called caustic or sodium hydroxide on one side, chlorine on the other side, which actually comes out, bubbles out. It's really cool. And then it makes hydrogen. You get three things. That chlorine then usually gets packaged as liquid chlorine. And then it goes to a variety of processes in the chemical industry. And then as many things as chlorine goes to, caustic goes to even more. Caustic goes everything from, you know, making clothing all the way through to uh, food additives. So those chemicals then reach what we really call the commodity chemical market in the chloralkali chain. Those large elemental chemicals, Hasa does not do that part of the process. We're not that far vertically integrated. What we will do is we then take chlorine and caustic in large rail cars usually. Um, so, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds at a time. And we combine them. And when you combine them using our chemical processes, it actually makes the bleach. So it's a relatively simple process, but it has to be handled very carefully. And we do that at four of our nine facilities. We actually make the bleach. 
then um, satellite ship to our other facilities. So at that point, you do have a big magic tank filled with bleach. With Hasa, it's not only been made, but it's been filtered using a very high performance process that we we typically advertise, and we advertise it because it works and it makes the bleach more stable and it makes it cleaner to put into something like your drinking water or your swimming pool. It's not what we call dirty bleach. Once it's in that big magic tank, it goes to a lot of places. It could either go to a municipal water treatment district. It could go to a power plant uh, in a 5,000-gallon tank truck. And a lot of it, about half of all the bleach Hasa makes, then goes to our bottling lines. And in every one of our facilities, except for Henderson, Nevada, we have a bottling line today where we then take it from the tank and we break it down and everything from a 55-gallon drum all the way down to our one-gallon returnable bottles. And those one-gallon returnable bottles live an interesting life. A case comes from the distributor, empty, uh, hopefully clean. Pros, please clean your bottles and stack them the right way. That speeds us up and gets more bottles out the door. Matter of fact, the number one thing a pro can do if they want more bleach tomorrow is put your bleach bottles in your bleach case and your acid bottles in your acid case. Don't put them in upside down and don't leave cigarette butts and hypodermic needles or whatever else you guys might want to leave in the bottom of a bottle. Don't put that stuff in the bottle and you're going to save, you're going to save us some time. We take those bottles, we inspect them, we clean them, we double clean them actually. Then they run through a line and then that bleach in that magic tank finds its way in. And in a lot of cases, that case is not in our plant more than two and a half hours during the season. It comes in one end and it's back out the door filled with bleach. And that bleach was made in most cases less than 12 during the season. That bleach is less than 12 hours old when it goes into the bottle, which is pretty cool. And by the way, when you guys do your math for your for your classes and all that, I would I would encourage you guys to really look at some of the, the cost benefit of that, because fresh bleach at a high concentration saves money, saves everybody money. And there's a, there's actually a lot of benefit there. But that's kind of the life cycle. And what else has to happen? I have to have a driver that's bringing the bottles back. I have to have a driver that brings the bottles to distribution. And then distribution has to get those bottles on the truck and off the truck. And that's kind of the life cycle of a four by one container before it gets to a pro. Chris, I know you said that there were some logistical issues still. And I know we've talked, we've heard in the past about the rail yard being a bit crazy right now. Is there anything else that you guys are currently having issues with that is affecting us like today or tomorrow and in the short future? The only known unknowns that we're looking at now is every year, a lot of chloralkali, a lot of caustic and a lot of chlorine come from the Texas Basin. A lot of it's manufactured in Texas, and you guys live in Texas. You understand the impact of a hurricane on that state when it's a bad one, and that can cause ripple effects into the broader industry. So that's definitely going on. The only other thing is we do see upstream, the chloralkali guys are raising price like demons. So we're not even looking at the price right now that we're paying. Honestly, we're taking everything we can get, but there's going to be a point probably very soon where we're going to look at all those incoming bills and we're going to have to go, we're going to have to go ask the market for something. We've talked about it because we've gotten a letter that was shared with me and John with regards to the suppliers that supply, whether it's plastic or parts to create products and stuff like that for the pool industry. That letter has already been sent out with a four and a half percent increase. So we've started to have that conversation that that, you know, it's coming. And then here's another thing, and we'll talk about it towards the end of the podcast, but our industry is moving into the publicly traded arena, and that's a whole different ballgame that goes on right there. And that's a whole different ballgame that brings you know, all these price differences and stuff like that. 
obviously we've been talking about them because we see that those are definitely going to be coming and probably not just from Hasa, but from everybody across the board. Yeah, we don't have an announcement out right now, so I can't forecast pricing, but those are real effects that have been impacting everybody all summer. Something I'll say, I can't promise we'll always do this, but we worked very hard to essentially be the big brother on the playground uh, for the pro this summer. And we did not announce price increase through the summer, although there were probably four opportunities to do that based upon what we were seeing in terms of paying more for drivers, paying more for labor, paying more for fundamental chemical. General cost of doing business has gone up. We specifically held off through the belly of the season because we know the degree of impact that that has to the pro. So we did that. Chris, I want to follow up a little bit on that last question about issues. Us personally in our area, we're we're starting to see an uptick in having liquid chlorine Mm -hmm. and it being much more readily available, but we are having issues with acid Mm -hmm. um, where Mm -hmm. acid isn't like, I haven't seen acid in our area for about three weeks. Mm -hmm. The hydrochloric acid. So what's the key word in hydrochloric acid is chlor. That's because hydrochloric acid is chlorine and a hydrogen molecule. That chlorine is coming from the exact same place that the chlorine for the bleach is coming from. But before it reaches Hassa, we don't make our own hydrochloric acid. We're buying it from a third-party guy. Or it's coming right off of the chloralkali process. That hydrochloric acid goes into certain very, very thirsty markets like petroleum refinery, fracking, the oil industry. And a lot of HCL can almost overnight get sucked up if oil production in the United States goes up or down. What we've seen uh, through this summer, uh, by the way, those guys will pay any price, right? Whereas we kind of have established contracts. Those guys, if they've got oil coming, they've got to have enough HCL for their process. So what we've seen is that market has tightened up significantly. Whereas we have been able to get more chlorine out the door than we have in history, I would say we've gotten about as much acid as we ever have. And uh, if you're using more chlorine, you're using more acid. So so it has been tighter in HCL this summer than um, than chlorine has been even. Do we have any outlook maybe on when it might let up or is it we're just still rolling with it? Haas is working tactically. I can't tell you the macro what we're going to do, but Haas is working tactically to shore up certain partnerships so that we've got more HCL. Uh, in the winter and through next through next year, uh, HCL consumption is going to go up um, in California too because I hate to say it when there are fires that puts ash into the water that drives pH up and then you end up having to adjust. So we're expecting it to kind of be a thirsty back half of the year, unfortunately, on HCL. Zach, I know that you have a question next on the supply side. Let's take a quick word from our sponsors, and when we come back, we'll we'll continue our conversation. The SPPA is dedicated to the niche general liability insurance needs of pool and spa professionals. As industry leaders, we'll fight for you, protect you, and be there for you. We provide extraordinary service before and after the membership and insurance is in effect. Insured members of the program get the best customer support and have peace of mind that their alliance is their voice and always fighting for their program and insurance needs. We proudly insure thousands of pool and spa professionals across the United States. With over 30 years encompassing the pool and spa industry, we know the needs of pool and spa professionals. Through the SPPA program, there are three tailored and customized general liability insurance options to pick from. For more information on our programs and insurance options, visit our site at www.thesppa.com. The sound of you continually pitching pool care poles into the trash. 
The sound of you using an Ultimate Pool Tools carbon fiber pool care pole for years to come. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile, and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Do you know the actual cost of the pool service you provide or the financial health of your pool business? If you don't, it can put you out of business. Pool Nation has created a business training that focuses on the financial side of your business. What we've done, guys, is we've put a training class together that focuses on five metrics that we've created. The goal is you do it, and by the time that you're done with the class, you have all those numbers, you have all that data. It is the only course that as you enter your data into our exclusive software, it will tell you how much money you are making or losing. It's that simple. We talk about the metrics. We talk about insurance, what to look for. We talk about billing software. By the time you are done with the training, you will know your exact cost to service a pool, fixed cost of cleaning, your average profit per pool, your average monthly rate, repair profits and profit percentage, and how much money you are actually making. And we have had people that have taken the class and had some cash flow issues and they've made some adjustments with their billing software and that's kind of solved that issue. During the training utilizing our software, you will create your business profit and loss. Once you create your P&L, we will cover the fundamentals of the P&L and how important it is to the success of your business. For more information and the next training dates, visit www.poolnation.online. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you get to keep. For more training dates, go to www.poolnation.online. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking to Chris Brink, CEO of Hassa. Welcome back. Zach, sorry for jumping in and interrupting. I'll let you uh, take the next question. Chris, I want to ask, at this current point in time, are there issues with your suppliers that would slow down production or are things kind of smoothing along by now? Other than what John mentioned, which is HCL being really tight, we're waiting on West Coast costs coming from overseas to come and that that's affecting the entire caustic market. So that's tightening up a little bit. And then we're keeping an eye on chlorine supply through the hurricane season. So those are the three things we're doing. A little bit on bottles and containers and cases, but that's where, you know, we we have a 30 to one advantage over anybody else who's making putting chlorine in a bottle today because we make a bottle and we're getting 20 to 30 uses out of that bottle. And then we make sure it's responsible uh, responsibly recycled. So that's always a little bit of an issue. Another thing pros can do is make sure if you've got some old four by one sitting in your garage, get them back and get them back quickly because we're seeing more go out the door than come back. That means probably two things. It means there's a little bit of hoarding going on probably in some cases, but to the extent that people could be mindful and get those returnables back, that would really help us out. Chris, 
How do you see Hassa changing in the next year? Oh, great question. We're doing a few things. I, I need to walk a line here because when I talk, start talking about being aspirational in the future and how we're going to grow, uh, I get a thumb in my eye and someone says, just ship more chlorine and shut up. Um, <laughs> but Hassa has, Hassa has in the last three years significantly increased the number of manufacturing sites and the, and the amount of capacity. If, if this was the Hassa of three years ago, everybody would have gotten half as much as they're getting today this summer easily half the amount. The HASA today is significantly larger, significantly better positioned to supply the needs of the industry. While it has not been everything the industry ended up needing, we've been able to fill in the gap in many ways. And HASA is going to continue that trend. You're going to see us continue to add assets in the markets where we're known, continue to add capacity, continue to get closer to customers. You're going to see more and more of those returnable bottles, those four by one containers out into the market and probably fewer and fewer of those what we call non-deposit or one-time disposable bottles. Why that? First of all, economically, it makes better sense. Second of all, I think as pros are trying it, they're realizing they save a lot of money using the returnable format. They realize that they save a lot of hassle properly disposing of those bottles. And one of the things I love about being CEO of Hasa is it gives me a very big lever to do the right thing for the environment in our communities. And that returnable model and that returnable format has been really successful. So you're going to see us continue to lean into that all the way through to new products. So there's a product that we've been dabbling with in the market. Well, we've had a product for a long time called the Liquidator, which was a self-feeding tank. That product was great in concept, probably had some things to improve. We have really effectively improved that. We now have a product we call the Hasa Liquid Feeder, which we'll be launching in earnest here um, sometime in September. Uh, you're going to see it at every major distributor, every retailer who wants to carry it. And this product is pretty awesome because it essentially works like a carburetor attached to the pump of your swimming pool. It's going to allow you to put four gallons of bleach with four gallons of water. And depending on the size of that pool, sanitize that pool virtually trouble-free for up to two weeks. As soon as you put four gallons of bleach into four gallons of water, you cut the concentration of the bleach to six and a half percent plus or minus. That immediately stabilizes the bleach for up to two weeks in the tank. And what folks are going to see is what the commercial, the entire commercial industry has seen is that when you go to liquid, you save money and you save time and you have a prettier pool. You're going to see us pushing that a lot because I'm a believer in it. The market has already asked for it. And we think the time is right now, especially with cabs still being short, at least through next year. I was just going to say, I'm super excited to see this thing because I personally installed one of the, you know, we're not like a heavy liquid chlorine market in my area, but I personally installed one of the liquidators and it was so simple. I spent more time sitting there staring at it after the install and double checking everything than I spent actually installing it because it was so simple. So I'm pumped to see this new one. Yeah, the problem is it looked like a diaper genie. Right. <laughs> you know, it looked cheap. It didn't look and, and it had I mean, we made 22 different upgrades from that, from what we learned on the liquidator to the HLF. It looks like a professional piece of equipment. It looks like something that belongs in a high end setup. And it's simple. I, I liken it to the carburetor on my 75 Monte Carlo. It's something I can maintain and install. You could put one of these things in in 20 minutes. You can maintain it in 10 minutes, maybe every two months. And it works. It just works. I had the pleasure of installing one of those. So I met with Hasa Dave out here. Great guy, by the way. Dave Gilbreth? Yes. He's yeah, he's great. awesome. So we got together. He got one. 
we went out, met with a service tech out here, and we actually installed one. We shot a video for it. So oh, we great. have a video ready to go. We kind of did a teaser, but then obviously we were kind of hit up with the chlorine shortage. And mm-hmm. you know, then some of my other poop pros were like, yeah, you just don't put that out, dude, because we're having some issues. So I'm like, I mm-hmm. respect that. I'm okay. But let me tell you, first of all, very easy to install. Number two, the thought process that went into that thing, you can tell that there was a lot of going through what the pool pro needed to be able to exactly. put that thing in. And then my favorite thing, and we talked about it, is whoever put the tap inside the package for the tools, you need to go back and you need to give that person a raise mm-hmm. because this thing has everything. You, Zach, John, you get this thing. It has everything to be able to install it, a tap set to kind of do it or do it. Yeah, it's it's in all there. included. Guy gets in there. We put it in. Even with the recording and everything, it was like 20, 30 minutes and we were done. And it's cost effective. I mean, a pro is going to be able to sell this to a customer somewhere between 300 and 400 bucks all in. Uh, it's going to be a nice little value add for the pro. It can make the pro's life easier. And it's going to make that pool look awesome. It can be like an Olympic quality swimming pool when it's getting regularly fed chlorine at two and a half ppm. Now, we did have a question from one of the pool guys that was asking, when is it going to be out? Are you having any issues, obviously, because of plastic or any of that kind of stuff and being able to kind of get it out to the market? Right now, we don't foresee any issues. You know, we're not one of the big pump guys that had a supply chain all tied up in China and all that stuff. You know, we're manufacturing these in America and, you know, little Hassa in the scheme of the world, we're not that big. So I don't foresee any issues in terms of being able to get enough out. We've really, frankly, been holding off basically to get past the season. Nobody's got time to install one of these things during the season anyways. But you are you are going to see these things come out in force here in the next 45 days. We're going to have our kind of big coming out party at the pie show here on the West Coast. And then you'll start to see it kind of go coast to coast. That's great. One thing I'd like to say about it, too, is it's kind of counterintuitive. People are like, oh, you got to pour four gallons of chlorine in there. It's a weight, you know, blah, 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 blah. The reality is you're pouring four gallons of chlorine in there and now you're using it at 80% of the rate that you normally would. So it's counterintuitive, but you're actually saving chlorine every time you put one of these things in. Because if you get the thing dialed in properly, you're using a lot less than you might normally do if you're just dumping a bottle. So Chris, I want to ask some questions that were sent in to us by the pool pros. Sure. And the first one would be, what steps are being taken to help prevent or minimize the shortage moving forward? We have and are actively paying employees significantly more than we ever have. We've doubled down on something we call the five career paths at Hassa. So we are hiring employees for the long term, not hiring them for seasonal work. So we're going to have the right amount of labor. We have identified tens of millions of dollars of capital improvements for our plants, which will lend to automation improvements in terms of getting product into the bottle. We have worked to shore up our supply chain in every product acquired for next year. We're already looking into next year, and we have several strategic partnerships now established. They're going to allow us to make sure that we have more raw materials or that we can get through the bumps. We have changed the way we do the math on how many rail cars we need in the system at any given time to create even more buffer for next year's season. And we've made some key moves within our operational management in order to make sure that we can be just a little bit even closer to the customer. That's everything we've done inside the fence line of Hassa. Outside of the fence line of Hassa, we are having even more robust discussions with all of our distribution partners. We all had a conversation about October of last year saying, okay, 
tabs, shortage, what are we all going to do? We all took really good guesses at what the market was going to be like. Everybody was off by 20%. So this wasn't just Hassa saying, we're going to need to get X more out the door. This was any name you can name, because we serve virtually all of them in some way, shape or form, all giving us their best guess. And their best guesses were everything from 14% to 23% more this year. And I mean, we all whiffed that ball. I mean, it's probably 40% more this year. Anybody who has to do 40%, I mean, go, go lift, go lift a heavy weight. Cause if anyone's ever been a weightlifter, lift your heaviest weight. Now let me load 40% more weight on and you tell me how well you do. I mean, the answer is every season we're lifting the heaviest that we've ever hef- lifted and we lifted the heaviest we've ever lifted this year, but add 40% more on. Nobody can do it. Uh, even Hassel wasn't able to this year. So we're going to have more robust discussions with our partners on, hey, what could we have done differently with the partners and what could have they have done to manage their supply chains effectively with us? So that's a lot. Sorry, it was a long list. It's because believe it or not, we're thinking about that every day. So <laughs> That's great. Here was the next question that was sent in. What has Hassel as a company learned about these crazy times that impact their business? I think I'm still in it. So this is a better question in 60 days. But probably the thing I've been most impressed by is the Hassa loyal people, whether they're inside or outside of the company, the grit that they have. So we've got folks inside of the company that have been swinging cases, filling bottles, driving trucks for 10, 15, 20 years. Boy, can those guys and gals just suck it up when it's really hard. And they have been awesome. And that includes even our customer service team who are taking a lot of flack. So, I mean, if I have an opportunity to thank them, I'm going to thank them right now. They've been awesome. Every one of them is an awesome. And I can sleep at night because those folks are inside of the company. The hostile loyal folks outside of the company, I want to thank you all too. We all get grumpy. We all have bad days. And I'm good with that. I get grumpy. I have bad days too. But I also do appreciate it when someone says, hey, look, I know I just you know tore you a new one, but at the end of the day too, I appreciate you guys sticking around and doing what you can. So that's probably been my favorite lesson of the season is uh, how, how, much we, how much we owe to those hostile oil people. In terms of macro, boy, I hope we're never in a hiring environment like this again. Uh, this was my first one. I've been in the business. I mean, I've been the, in the materials business one way or another since Dow. So since 2001, I mean, I've not seen anything like this in 20 years. So I'm, I'm honestly going to write this one off a little bit as a probably won't see something like this again for 20 years. On the raw material side, uh, I've seen this a lot. This is actually kind of a common thing to see in the chemical industry for markets to get tight, markets to get loose and things to get ugly. Uh, I think I'm sorry that the pros have had to learn more about chloralkali than they ever had to know in their entire careers. I also think it's a good thing because I think when you realize how precious uh, these molecules are and how hard come by they really are, it forces you to conserve. And you know, you you will never hear me talk more than an hour and not use the term conservation using the amount you need to. And why? All the all the reasons you can imagine, but also because it's good business. I've had it proven time and time again. When you when you have a conservation mentality, your PL looks better. You have more money to spend on other things. You can invest into your business. You could do better things. So, uh, and that is not just uh, at the company level, whether you're an entrepreneur, that's soci- from a societal standpoint. So, you're rarely going to hear much messaging from Hasa that doesn't involve that as part of the message because that's a big thing for us. So, I, I learned a lot about how the pro has had to come through that hardship of their learning cycle. Uh, and I've been impressed. I've been I've been largely very impressed. 
And I'm also proud to say as many as folks as, as were really worried about their businesses this year, and, and every one of us was, I don't think one pro has gone out of business because of a want of sanitizer. They figured it out some way, one way or the other. They've, they've either switched, they've scrapped, they've conserved, they've used new techniques that they didn't use before, whatnot. I think the industry, it was a hard year, but the industry has come through it. And it's been really interesting to learn and, and observe and be a participant in. Next question that came in, Chris, was what's the biggest hurdle that you're facing now that is slowing down production and deliveries of chlorine and acid? Biggest hurdle is actually just the after effect of June, July. We're just on catch up mode. So we're, we're actively catching up. As you see in Northern California, we're getting more out every day. You're in Northern California, John, or Southern? Southern. Southern. Southern so in Southern California, you've definitely seen us catch up because I've got three plants to serve Southern California. But we're just, we're basically just getting past that. It's like uh, if you're a surfer and you get whacked by a wave, we're kind of like shaking it off and we're, we're getting out, paddling out there. We're starting to catch waves again. So that's really the biggest thing we're dealing with is just overcoming the hangover from June, July. And September is better or August is, is already much better. By the end of August, we're going to be at a clip and September is going to be good, I think. So that leads into the next question. Can you share a forecast on September? That would be technical. It would involve charts and it also would be something called market signaling, which I'm not allowed to do if I want to not go to jail. So uh, I can't I can't do that. What <laughs> I can tell you is that. we don't want that. <laughs> what I can tell you is we're going to ship more in September than we ever have in the history of the company. And we are going to ship more in August already than we ever have in the history of the company. And that will continue to feel more and more uh, comfortable to the pro because in our experience, the market drops off in 10 to 15% increments month to month now until about October. So demand will drop even as we're making more. So sooner rather than later, it's going to feel comfortable. One more, another big shout out over here. So poor Jay Breakfield is going, I swear I don't get any phone calls. All day until I try to listen to the one-hour podcast of you guys. <laughs> so, so he's a little, little ticked off there. So thanks for that, Jay. The next question that I have, which you've already answered, but I'm going to ask it again anyways, because what we want is we want the pool pros to know that we specifically asked their question, and that is what's causing the acid shortage? It is the shortness of HCL and the increase of chlorine, LML chlorine combined with the increased demand for hydrochloric acid in things having nothing to do with the swimming pool industry. Last question that came in. I feel that Hasso went on the podcast and said that they were ready for the busy season and now we're having a hard time even getting chlorine. What are they doing to make sure this does not keep happening to us? I'll take responsibility for that. We put an ad out that said, keep calm and swim on back in April. And that's because all the math said we were in good shape. And what I didn't know at that time were three things. It was going to be a lot harder to hire people than it ended up being. I didn't know that a plant was going to shut down on the West Coast and stop supplying us for virtually a month. And I didn't know drivers were going to be as hard to get as they have been. So when we did the math, we were like, okay, we'll put on another shift. We'll do this. We'll do that. We think we could feed the industry. And uh, I learned a lesson on that. And to me, what I appreciate, and I know I've said it already once, is the fact that you guys have continued to face it, kind of come out, talk about it, not hiding. We made a mistake. Fine. We admit that made a mistake. And just what you did right now is exactly no, you know, one of the things seriously. that we're talking about, that you, you take ownership of it. And here you are sitting right in front of us answering all the questions that were sent in. So we, we definitely appreciate that. Well, I was a nose guard, so I like taking a beating. 
<laughs> so we're kind of getting towards the end of the podcast, and I have one separate question that is not really related specifically to the, the chlorine shortage, but it might be me like overreading, maybe trying to be too deep about it. But I wanted to get your thoughts on this because you're a CEO, you kind of see things from a from that bigger perspective and in, in, in industry. But in our industry, we have now the three main manufacturers that are publicly traded companies, and they're also buying up other companies. And so I've worked for publicly traded companies. And at the end of the day, those traded companies needed to put up numbers, right? You submit your numbers to Wall Street, and then you have to submit, you have to you know, reach your goals. And we all see it that if those numbers aren't met, your stock kind of tanks. What I think we're going to see is a little bit of a change in the relationship on the way that business is done. And, you know, we're a small industry. We, we feel like we do business at a personal level. So even though I'm having this conversation with you today, it feels like a small industry, small kind of setup. Today, the industry is doing great. All those manufacturers are putting up the best numbers that they've ever put up. But at some point, everything is going to level set itself again. My concern or some of the things that I see is that when things level off, they're not having those all-time highs. They submit those numbers. They kind of can't reach those big numbers. There's only two ways that you can increase profit, and that is either selling more product or increasing the price. And so the concern that I have is what is that relationship going to be like with the pool guy? Because you can have a manufacturer that has a contract with the pool builder. And so if they have a contract, here's the prices. Those prices can't change until that contract is over. However, the pool guy that walks into distribution to buy all these products can be the ones that see the impact. What do you think that will look like as we transition into maybe our, our old normal? I didn't know what to expect with this podcast. It's it's fun because you guys talk business and business is my sports. So I'm really enjoying this. I'm, I'm going to become a regular listener now. Uh, thank you. You know, I've worked for both publicly traded and, and privately held companies, uh, whether it be family owned or uh, private equity owned. Uh, and in almost all those cases with the private equity owned companies, they were at one time a family legacy company, just like many publicly traded companies were at one time. You know, I think there's two things. There's kind of a playbook out there that all these companies almost have to follow because they need to be economically efficient. So all the things you're identifying definitely are the pressures that large publicly traded companies face. Hasa faces them too. So that playbook exists for a reason. The difference that you'll see, and if the pros really want to try to figure out where things are going to go, is you got to watch the leadership. Because to the extent that the CEOs of those companies seem to be connected with and understand the industries they're involved with and the extent then to which they empower their leadership teams to be close to the needs of their customers, that's going to dictate the behavior of those companies. I would say even more so than the playbook because even CEOs are people and it's really a, a matter of what are those guys caring about and those gals caring about on a day-to-day -day basis. That's one reason why, even though I'm a painful introvert, I've been on several of these things over the last couple of weeks. I mean, you can ask my team. I'm like, oh, oh, I really don't want to do this. But I do want to do it for the reason because I want to know that you know we are connected to the communities that depend on us. So maybe said another way, don't watch the game, watch the player. 
Look, it's easy for when everything's beautiful and it's all sunshine and rainbows, right? For you to get on, for anybody to get on and say, oh, yeah, this is great. Everything's doing well. You know, but when, when the shit hits the fan, right? And people are stressing, you have a bullseye literally, you know, on your back. <laughs> um, it takes some, some serious, you know, what I'm talking about to, yeah. to be able to get on oh, and thanks. say that. So I commend you for that. Um, it, it's not easy. I mean, we're all in this together and. Uh, it's nice to see not just a company, but the head of a company, a company that is a vital part of our industry to step up and, you know, face the music and, you know, admit some responsibility in, in some actions or things because we all make mistakes. But what's important is what we learn from them and what we're doing to prevent them in the future. Right. Instead of just putting our head in the ground saying, oh, no, it's not our fault. No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. And it's also important to talk about the things, these unknown things that a lot of us that are on the playing field don't really have vision at or don't really get to see. You know, you guys look at it in a different lens and there's a lot of other working pieces and, you know, there's pieces to this puzzle that a lot of people don't understand. And to have a little better insight in it kind of helps us see what's really going on. Right. So that, you know, it's crazy, you know, like you were talking about, and I'm just sitting here and listening to everything you're saying. And I'm just going like, man, you know, we're all going through this struggle. I really appreciate you coming on here and speaking the truth. Right. And, and I'll, I'll be honest guys. And I want everybody to know too, there wasn't one thing that was off limits with Chris for this podcast, as far as like questions or anything we wanted to ask. And I just appreciate you doing that, Chris. I look forward to being able to have you on when it is sunshine and rainbows too, right? That time's coming sooner rather than later. And I, I appreciate the format and the dialogue and you guys are a fun, fun group. I do want to say over here on our, on our chat, Jeanette is saying, appreciate the honesty and trying to be a step ahead. And Cindy Lopez, thanks guys. And thanks Chris Brinks for answering these tough questions. So I just want to make sure we read those out there for these guys. Thanks, Cindy. Cindy, there's no S on the end. Otherwise, I'd be in the armored car business. <laughs> or and I'd have a lot or more own money. it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that would be better. So, Thanks, Cindy. Let's take a quick word from our sponsors. And we, when we come back, Zach, John, I want to get your final thoughts. The Hyper Poll from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care poll designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see 
see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile, and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Do you know the actual cost of the pool service you provide or the financial health of your pool business? If you don't, it can put you out of business. Pool Nation has created a business training that focuses on the financial side of your business. What we've done, guys, is we've put a training class together that focuses on five metrics that we've created. The goal is you do it, and by the time that you're done with the class, you have all those numbers, you have all that data. It is the only course that as you enter your data into our exclusive software, it will tell you how much money you are making or losing. It's that simple. We talk about the metrics. We talk about insurance, what to look for. We talk about billing software. By the time you are done with the training, you will know your exact cost to service a pool, fixed cost of cleaning, your average profit per pool, your average monthly rate, repair profits and profit percentage, and how much money you are actually making. And we have had people that have taken the class and had some cash flow issues and they've made some adjustments with their billing software and that's kind of solved that issue. During the training utilizing our software, you will create your business profit and loss. Once you create your P&L, we will cover the fundamentals of the P&L and how important it is to the success of your business. For more information and the next training dates, visit www.poolnation.online. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you get to keep. For more training dates, go to www.poolnation.online. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking to Chris Brink, the CEO of Hasa, and we're towards the end of the podcast. This is Zach John, as usual. Um, Zach, let me get your final thoughts. Well, first off, I want to say thank you, Chris, for coming on the podcast today. I know it's crazy busy for everyone in our industry. And there isn't enough time in the day as it is. So thanks for taking the time here with us today. And I think the biggest issue right now is the lack of conversations like the one we had today. Um, The more educated we all are on matters, the more we understand about current events, the better we can plan and prepare um, to make changes with our businesses and adapt. And as business owners, we need to understand that when we get nervous about having those, those conversations with customers about increasing our prices or things like that, we need to have a very similar conversation with our customers that we're having today. We need to be the educators. We need to educate them on the current events that are going on. That way, they understand that there's changes being made to their service and why those changes are being made. You know, Most of the things going on in the world right now are just crazy. But what we can do as business owners is just stay constantly informed and up to date with what's going on because it is constantly changing and moving. So Um, Other than that, I hope everyone is hanging in there and I hope everyone has a good weekend. And Zach Zach and John are both here to prove that bleach will not turn your beard white. (laughs) I pluck them. Dye it. (laughs) (laughs) That's because they use they use a lot of dye, by the way. They're (laughs) just just kind of tell why looking good, guys. I wish I could grow a beard like that. (laughs) Uh, You and me are on the same page, buddy. I've been shaved in about four days. Here we go. John, yeah. final thoughts. You know, I, I kind of jumped the gun earlier and I kind of went into my final thoughts, but I'm, I got a couple things I want to add. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be the first to say I'm in the struggle too. 
we have our business, we have our clients, the majority of our pools, you know, we feed liquid. Uh, we have salt systems and we feed liquid and that's our choice of sanitation. So we felt the pain and we felt the struggle and, you know, to own up to something when a mistake is made or not necessarily a mistake, but just a miscalculation, I think is what it really was. And I think if we all step back and look at this last year and a half, think of all the miscalculations we've made, you know, personally, just because you're Hasa or just because you're a CEO or just because, um, you know, you're some executive at a, another manufacturer doesn't mean you're exempt from being human, right? And making a, a calculated risk and a mistake. I think the biggest issue was that, like you said, that post where it kind of gave everybody that false sense of security where, you know, keep calm, there's plenty of chlorine. Um, but the reality is, and I, I really liked what you said, we grow the most through our struggle. When life is good, right, and everything's going well, we tend to become complacent and we take things for granted. But when something is important yet as simple as liquid bleach or chlorine that we've had, it used to be readily accessible to us. And now that we went through a stage where it isn't, it forced us to grow. And I think it made us a lot better as an industry. A lot of you that are still going through the struggles right now, you might not realize that or you might still be hurting and I feel for you and whatever we can do to help you through this situation, please let us know. But I promise you, you make it through this, it will make you a better person and it'll make you a better business owner and it'll prepare you better for the future. Likewise, I think with Hasa too, they'll be more prepared for this. You know, it's just funny how we so, so easily forget about some of the other shortages that we have. Pentair, Jandy, all the other manufacturers, Hayward and stuff where we can't get, I mean, I still can't get product for God knows how long. We know that that might not be as crucial to us at the service industry side of it, but in reality, it's still an issue that the whole industry is going through. And I just commend you, Chris and Hassa, for, for having the guts to, to get up here and face the music and, and listen to some of these, answer some of these tough questions and not dodge in any of them. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, John. So I am probably going to make a couple people mad, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead. And one of my biggest pet peeves has been that there's been, whether it's suppliers, manufacturers, whatever it is that are sticking their head in the sand, the heat is up. We're just going to stay quiet. We don't talk. We don't share what's going on. We don't let the Puga pros out there know what's going on. And I've tried to reach out to lots of people to just kind of, and I tell them, look, you know, just at least give us a little bit of information so that we know the struggles that you're going through so that we also understand so that we also don't get, you know, frustrated. And why would they, why would they, right, they're watching right. Hasa getting their ass kicked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but at, at the end of the day, John, when you sit and you hear the CEO of Hasa face the music and sit here and tell you that he's an introvert, that he doesn't like to do this, but he sees <laughs> it as a company. That's how he has to drive the company. That's what everybody else should be doing. And I won't go too deep into it because then I'll get up fired no. up and do one of those rants that John <laughs> no, doesn't get no, all I pissed off, right? Because they, you know, but, but you know, it, it's like they sit there and they just kind of hide and they put their head in the sand and nobody's, you know, willing to come out and talk and explain what's going on. And what happens is when you talk to your customers, when you face your customers face to face and you let them know what the problems are, they're going to understand you and they're going to become more loyal to you. So like mm -hmm. Chris was saying, it's a matter of, Look at the leadership and look at what it is that they're doing, especially long-term. So anyways, there's my rant, John. Chris, no. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. We Thanks, really guys. appreciate it. 
Terry has been, by the way, phenomenal since day one with us. He's another guy that has not shied away from anyone. He's even told people, you can reach me on Instagram. You have my phone number. You have any issues, call me directly. I won't hide from you. I'll answer your calls. And we can tell that that's coming from the leadership above because you're doing the same thing. So they're obviously doing what it is that you're doing. So we definitely Great. appreciate that. That's Terry's job. We, we hire him to educate and not push chlorine. His job is to educate the industry towards whatever the best solution is, because that keeps us uh, on the front edge. If there's some better solution than what we're putting out there, it allows us to get ahead of that curve. So hopefully he's doing a great job for you guys and, and all the pros out Definitely. there. Definitely. So Chris, you have our platform. Anytime that you ever want to come on, any, anytime that, that you want to talk, we're here for you. And we want to thank you for your time. John, Zach, as usual, thank you for your time, for coming on and taking time out of your busy day. And we will talk next week. Yeah. Thanks, Bye, everybody. Guys. Have a good one. Really have pleasure. a great one. Yep. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Pool Nation podcast, a member of the Pool Nation family. You can listen to us live every Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central, and 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at Pool Nation or PoolNationPodcast.com, on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pool.Nation. And to find more info about Pool Invoice, the billing software built specifically for the pool industry, go to PoolInvoice.com. Before you go, this is what the pool industry has been waiting for. PoolManUniversity.com. It's the first platform dedicated dedicated to learning the swimming pool service and repair industry, a pool service community where you can connect and find videos on business, service, water chemistry, and repairs. See you there at PoolManUniversity.com. Pool Nation, all rights reserved. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in a verbal or nonverbal way. May not be distributed. It may not be distributed in any social media platforms or transmitted in any other forms or any other means, including recording or other electronic or mechanical methods without the prior written permission of Pool Nation.